Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, well, at least I don't have to project too loudly. I have a nice front row uh, audience today. And um, thank you guys, like Pastor said, for being the troopers and the soldiers that you are, for weathering the storm and coming out to uh, hear the word, you know, coming out and to be fed. I, I said, you know, we're really spoiled, definitely, here in California. I don't know where else you have the option of showing up and attending things um, in the rain, but I pray that it will be worth your while. So uh, just a little side note, I was joking around saying earlier that I'm really being put to the test tonight because I get to hold this magic little wand in my hand the whole time, and those of you who know me know how animated I am, so this is definitely going to be uh, a challenge, but I intend to pass with flying colors, so just let me know, uh, wave at me if I happen to drop the mic and all of a sudden there is no sound, uh, I'll know to, to pick it up and, and keep going. But with that being said, I just want to uh, do a quick little prayer also, just to yield myself to the Lord, and we're going to see what he has to say tonight. Amen? Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you tonight on one accord um, in the presence of your people tonight, Lord, and surrender myself as a willing vessel to be used by you uh, for your glory, Lord God. So I just pray that you anoint the words of my mouth, Lord. May it be all of you and none of me tonight. I pray that our hearts and our minds are open to receive that which you will show us and teach us tonight, Lord God, that we may leave here tonight better than when we came. I thank you, Lord God, that the word will go forth unhindered and unchecked by any spirit, Lord God. We thank you for allowing us to arrive here safely tonight, and we thank you in advance that you will ensure that we arrive home safely as well. So with that being said, Lord God, I commit this meeting to you. Move and have your way tonight in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. All right, so I'm not sure, again, how close to put this to sound good to you guys there. I'll try to keep it right there. And actually, what I wanted to do was stand a little bit, see, there it goes, to the side here. Uh, so that works that the majority of you guys are over on this end. So tonight, as Pastor moves, <laughs> tonight we are doing week two, week two of character, good deeds, and the nature of Christ. Now, some of you were here for the first week, and um, what I always like to do is start off with a little bit of a recap. So you will definitely get some points um, that may have been missed, but we're going to make sure that we cover all the angles. And I realized after I went back and was listening to the message that there were a few things that I forgot to mention with regards to character. So let's start out there tonight and start with our recap. So. Basically, we were talking about all of the characteristics or all of the traits that make up strong character and why it's important. And we went through a whole entire series on spiritual maturity. But the one thing that I forgot to mention that was really, really important, after we went through like those seven steps of how we achieve strong character, the reason why that was so important, ladies and gentlemen, is because our character is directly connected to our destiny. Right? There's a destiny that God has for us and a plan that he has for us. And until we uh, flourish in 
the spiritual maturity and obtaining strong character, we're not going to be able to reach our destiny. So again, I know you guys are um, purposeful people, right? And so you want to make sure that you reach your destiny. So when in when you're in doubt about the importance of anything that we do in these classes, know that it's all connected. It's all connected to helping you reach your destiny. And, you know, biblically speaking, spiritually speaking, that's important. But also, in the natural, naturally speaking, what's really important is to remember that your success in life is also directly connected to your character. Because your success in life is never going to rise above the level of your character, okay? Your success in life is never going to rise above the level of your character. Character has been described as something called a moral compass, okay? A moral compass, the moral compass of our soul. And we know how important it is to make sure that we are renewing, right, our soul and, and our minds and growing. And so one of the things that character does is make sure that our soul is in line with the morality of God, okay? So these are just some things that we um, did not specifically highlight in week one, but I wanted to make sure that I brought them up tonight. A moral compass, what does a compass do, right? It keeps you in going in the right direction, right? So you're, having a strong character is gonna make sure that if you are ever walking your path towards your destiny and you begin to get out of alignment, okay, that moral compass of having a strong character will make sure that you don't fall into those traps of those detours that get us caught up. So there is very strategic purpose in having a strong character, and I mentioned that in week one. And then, of course, I always like to have some biblical scripture to back things up, and I forgot a very important scripture last week. There's a scripture in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 15, 13 that says, bad company corrupts good character. And I said, oh, how could I have forgotten that one? I, I know that scripture, and it's uh, one of those things where people go, that's in the Bible? I didn't know that was in the Bible. You mean I'm not supposed to hang around, you know, um, people that are, uh, we used to call them shady a little, <laughs> right? You know, and it's not so much that, you know, completely stay away from that, you know, because we know we are light in dark places. But if you guys recall a few uh, months ago or a few classes ago, we talked about the importance of who you surround yourself with, right? And about relationships and the intimacy of your inner circle. Your inner circle is where you need to monitor this quote unquote bad company because what do they, what's that old saying? If you lie down with dogs, you wake up with fleas kind of thing, you know? It's kind of like, having that effect. You want to make sure that you are light that is affecting the darkness and not letting darkness infect your light. 
okay? And I saw some faces, I'm gonna say that again for you guys. Make sure that your light is affecting positively the darkness instead of the darkness infecting negatively your light, okay? <laughs> One more time, we need to make sure that our light is affecting positively in the darkness instead of the darkness infecting negatively against our light. Okay, so that's just really what I wanted to extract from this scripture here because it does go both ways. You know, we are, as light can go into the darkness and we can have a positive effect. But if we are too immersed around bad company or bad situations or bad environments, evil situations and evil environments, it can corrupt our good character. So. Just a warning, it's just a warning to be observant, right? Which is what we need to do anyway. If we're gonna manage our character and develop it, we have to have a consciousness and awareness, basically, you know? So I just wanted to make sure that I gave you guys that um, background for the character. And then I also wanted to make sure tonight that we looked at some practical ways in which character is expressed in our everyday lives. And remember, we went through a whole list of different character traits, right? We talked about things like dependability and loyalty and commitment and honesty and integrity, right? These were positive character traits that we identified last week, but we didn't really take the time to sort of uh, examine what does that look like in practical application in everyday life. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here. How is character displayed in a practical way or expressed in our everyday life? I can, from experience, let you know that, for example, there are two individuals here tonight in this front row who I know I can make this statement about. They have very strong character. Now, if I just make that statement to someone, they might like, well, how do you know? Well, I'll tell you how I know. Because I know these are two of the most dependable, loyal people that I know. If these two individuals say that they're going to do something, ladies and gentlemen, nine times out of ten, I will bet you they do it. And that one time that they didn't, it wasn't their fault. <laughs> that I can promise you. They will move heaven and earth to make sure that they follow through with their word, right? And here's the thing. <laughs> There's two people in the front that say, wait, I thought it was us. And I was just going to say, not to the exclusion of anybody else in here. I just know that I can talk about them without them getting offended at me, okay? That's for sure, you know? But that's the thing. What you want to do is examine and say, hmm, how was that? It was, um, we were talking about the rain tonight and everything, and so, um, uh, and I'll just go ahead, Dr. Roy here had mentioned to me, called me up and said, hey, you know, um, I'm going to make sure that you get there to the meeting tonight on time, no problem, we'll pick you up. So it's about four o'clock this afternoon, and my instinct, based on previous experience with other people, 
was to call and check in and make sure that we were still good for tonight. But I knew in my heart of hearts, based on their character, that that man said he was going to be here. He's going to be here. And if he wasn't, you know what he would have done? He would have called me and let me know. Okay. On the opposite side, though, I have had experience with people in my life whose character, and again, this does exclude everybody in this room, but I've had other people where they'll tell you they're going to do something, and you're looking for them to be there, and they do what's called ghosting. Like, they just fall off the radar. You have no idea where they are. You have no idea what happened. They didn't pick up the phone and call. They didn't send a backup, you know, and you're thinking, hmm. So the next time a situation comes up and this particular individual comes to me and says, hey, I'll do this, I'll say, no, thank you. I'll pass, <laughs> right? Only because there's a history, right? And there's a certain characteristic of that individual's personality that I know, ugh, unfortunately, I just can't depend on, right? And so we just want to make sure that we are, as Christians, developing the type of character that our behaviors, right, line up with what we say, okay? There's um, all kinds of different examples, again, of how character is displayed in practical everyday life, you know, um, the reason, one of the reasons why I believe God tells us to stay out of debt is because there's too many people who promise to pay and they don't. You know, there's people that, um, again, it's just about keeping your word and things. I think that's one of the biggest character flaws that we have. Uh, the other is regarding, like, honesty, you know. Um, it was interesting. I was watching, I think it was a commercial today, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, but... I thought it would work well for tonight's lesson in this practical application. It was a commercial where, and I forget what it was for, but basically it starts off with a boy and a girl are in a classroom and they get called out of class to the principal's office. And the principal says, you know what, I'm sorry, you guys are gonna have to go home. Uh, your Uncle Charlie or whoever it is passed away. So you see these kids, they have this somber look on their face. They're like, oh, okay. So they're leaving school and they're walking because they've got this bad news. Next thing you know, they flip to the kids running to the car, jumping in the car, and everybody's celebrating. And the parents are like, yay, we're off to Disneyland or some trip, you know, or whatnot. And the moral of the story was that these parents condoned lying about a death in the family to get the kids out of school so they could go on a field trip. I kid you not, it's out there. It was a real commercial that I watched today. And I said, if we are that casual, ladies and gentlemen, about how we present our character to the world, what are we saying? That it's okay, right, to tell those little white lies, I guess you could say, or whatnot. I just thought that that was just mind-blowing to me, you know, especially because it involved the kids. So anyways, those are just some ways that I think will help us evaluate our characters when we put them in practical application. Okay, so I can see you guys are like in shock. I promise you, I didn't make that story up. <laughs> okay, you know, it was a commercial. Yes, it was a commercial. Uh, I wish I knew what it was promoting. Oh, you know what it was promoting? It was um, a vehicle commercial. So it was like a Chevy commercial or a Toyota, I don't know, but it was some sort of commercial where they were promoting, you know, 
that, but they were really trying to promote the car, so it didn't even really add up. But anyways, I say that to um, just make you guys aware, okay, of what's being presented and what you and I present out there because people are watching and it's having an effect on what? Our destiny, ultimately, okay? So um, just a few other points on this character recap so that we can get to our main event for tonight. But one of the things we wanna make sure we understand is why character is so important in addition to the fact that it's gonna end up leading us to our destiny. 2 Corinthians 5.10, this is a scripture that says, we will all stand, right, before the Lord and give an account for what we did in the body, whether for good or for bad. So with this scripture in mind here, not only do we have an earthly or a natural purpose for having strong character, but biblically speaking and eternally speaking, there will come a day when we get to heaven and we're going to have to give an account for what we did while in the body, whether for good or for bad. And so obviously we want to give a good account. And the point of the matter is that it's not just what we say, right? It's not just what we say or what we do, but also how we behave and how we behave. And so what that's gonna do is it's gonna lead us, like I said, to what our topic of discussion for tonight is, which is good deeds, good deeds. So giving an account for what we do in the body, whether for good or for bad, and that is gonna lead us into our topic of discussion for tonight on good deeds. So you guys know how I start every topic, we're going to start off by defining what exactly is a good deed. Now, usually I go to the uh, dictionary or I may go to the concordance and I'll grab a definition, but for tonight's purposes, wanting to keep it very simple, I just extracted this from uh, my own personal experience, I guess you could say. And so what I came up with for what our definition for good deeds is going to be is a selfless, positive, helpful action that generally involves service to others. Okay, so when we go through the rest of this class tonight and we're talking about good deeds, which also sort of um, corresponds with good works. So if I interchange those two terms, good deeds and good works, we're talking about the same thing, okay? A selfless, positive and helpful action that generally involves service to others. But there's more, but there's more. You guys remember those uh, infomercials where they say, but wait, there's more, okay? So even more importantly than that, uh-oh, I think I hit the wrong thing. Here we go, let me see, give me a second. All right, we are back. Okay, so, but there's more. More importantly, this is what I thought was so important. It's not just our selfless actions, but it's our selfless, sacrificial, positive, and helpful service unto God that we do through our service 
to others. So basically what the revelation of good deeds is, is getting you to understand that it is a service that we do to others, but when we serve others, who are we ultimately serving? God. We're ultimately serving God. And then I had to put this other um, uh, adjective, if you will, this other superlative in here as sacrificial, because as we go through tonight, we're going to realize, based on scripture, that good deeds that don't really cost us anything aren't really technically, biblically, a good deed. Okay, and so just to make sure that we are working and operating on the highest level of excellence, I wanted to make sure that we put this word in here of sacrifice, okay, of sacrifice. So it is our selfless, sacrificial, positive, helpful service unto God through the service that we give to others. You guys good with that there? Does that make sense? Okay, so... What I want to do is I want to introduce uh, Matthew 25. This is going to be a scripture here that supports what I just said. Matthew 25, verses 44 through 45. And if you just write that scripture down, you can go back and look it up in whatever translation you like. But basically it says, they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick, or in prison, and did not help you. These are, I think if I recall correctly, this would be like, um, you know, always the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they always questioned everything, all those law keepers, right? And they say, when did we do this? When did we not help you and clothe you or um, give you water when you were thirsty? He, meaning Jesus, will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So basically he's saying, and then you can flip it also. He says, when you do do those things, you're doing them as if you were doing them to me. Okay? So when we are feeding the hungry or those that are thirsty or being kind to strangers or giving clothing to those in need, uh, caring for those who are sick or in prison, he says, those services that you do unto others, yeah, those are the same services that you would do unto me whether it was me personally that you were doing it for. Does that make sense? Okay, so basically this is just a scripture reference to the fact that our service to others is really what we are doing unto God. So let's look at also what are some of the other reasons why good deeds are so important or what's their other purposes. And what I love about this one is in Matthew 5, 16. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. And again, this is one that's a, most familiar with people. It says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay? Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So basically, one of the purposes of why we do good deeds is to give God the glory, okay? And when others see it, it's like when you share your testimony of the good things that God is doing, it's giving him glory. And I kind of wrote myself a little note. There's two notes that I actually have on the side that I wanted to make sure that I shared because I think it's relevant. And I don't know about you guys, but every now and again, 
the enemy tries to persuade me into uh, feeling guilty about my blessings. I'll say it that way. Like sometimes that he really does try to make me or persuade me into feeling guilty about my blessings. And God said, don't let him do that because my blessings that I give to you that others can see, this is what the Holy Spirit said it just like this. You guys know what PDA is? Public displays of affection. God said, that is my public display of my affection towards you. So let it be seen. Let it be known. Let it shine and tell the world how much I love you. So I said, okay, that, that was, I was sold. That's all you got to tell me, you know. So I'm not making any apologies for my blessings anymore. But again, also the purpose is to say, you know how people say, oh, I wonder, how did you do that? How did you get that? You know, and we get to say, oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you about the God I serve, right? And this is just an, an avenue or an entry point for preaching and sharing the gospel. The good deeds that we do, that's an entry point, ladies and gentlemen, that we can use to get the gospel out. Would you agree? Okay, and so um, one of the things that this kind of ties into is, you know, there's a saying in the world, seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. But to the Christian, we have an opposite saying. We say that believing is seeing, right? And so what I learned was that, you know, there are things that are seen, and the purpose is to help people to believe them. Because they may not have exercised the faith that has been given to them, right? We have. And so what we do is we recognize that when Jesus did good deeds in the earth, they were classified as miracles, right? Most of what Jesus did in the earth, I would say, and most people would say based on what we read, is that they were miracles. Well, the Bible says that miracles are actually not for the believer, but for the non-believer. The signs and wonders, right, is so that those who don't believe will believe. Because those of us who do believe, we have our faith. And that's what we hold on to. But what really is a miracle? Just really quickly, I just want to share with you guys this so we have perspective on this. What really is a miracle? Well, from my own experience and study and understanding, A miracle is what we call a temporary suspension of the laws of nature. A temporary suspension of the laws of nature. You know, those things, again, that we say are like signs and wonders. So, again, in the days of Christ, it would be opening blind eyes. You know, the lame would walk. (laughs) The dead would rise. Okay? So, these are signs and wonder miracles. And those were the things that were done in order to, the Bible says that when those things were done, people would immediately, immediately praise God and give glory to God for what they saw, okay? So basically, um, and then this was just saying that, you know, another miracles are what doctors and scientists say is humanly impossible, yet it happens anyway. So even though... We think we're not really seeing miracles, signs, and wonders the way we did in Christ's day. What we have to understand, what I believe, 
we have to understand is that when you know the character of God, and we're going to talk about this next week, and the nature of who he is, isn't everything we experience technically a miracle? The mere fact that we are here, right, that you and I can sit here and not have to think about breathing. It's just happening. The blood is just flowing where it needs to flow and how it needs to flow and that kind of, I'm sorry, I think that's a miracle. I didn't wake myself up this morning. That was a miracle. God did that. And so what happens is we just lose sight, right, of the nature and the character of God, I think, sometimes. And when we get back on track with that, I believe it will advance our knowledge, our spiritual maturity, and our character to understand that miracles today are still happening, and they can happen the way they did back then, but we have to understand their purpose. So let's go into a little bit more detail about the good deeds, and then that way we can sort of um, understand how, again, we can apply this to our everyday lives. And so we're going to look at a few more scriptures here. I want to highlight Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. Okay, this scripture here says, and do not neglect to do good and to share what you have with others, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. You guys remember we mentioned that earlier in the class tonight about sacrificial good deeds. Well, this scripture here reinforces the fact that God is well pleased with him and he encourages us not to neglect to do good or to share what we have for others. So good deeds is a biblical command, okay? And remember, what we are doing is striving for spiritual maturity, which is operating by the word of God. And so in addition to this, there is a scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. And this scripture says, I forget which translation I put here. I think it was the ESV, but I like the way it said it here. It says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. So I wanted to make sure that I put this particular scripture in tonight because if you are not carefully, or as the Bible says, rightly dividing the word of truth, it could look like God is contradicting himself. And I remember my pastor used to always say from the pulpit, it, you know, it's, it's not what it seems. God is not bipolar. He isn't telling us in one scripture to let our light shine and do, you know, let others see and share with others. And then in the very next breath, he's saying, you know, don't do it publicly. Let's look at this. It says, do not do your good deeds publicly to be admired to others or by others, okay? And so the whole point of this is what we do, the good deeds that we do, we should not be doing them for applause, ladies and gentlemen. We should not be doing them for accolades, for fame, for fortune. Our good deeds, the motive behind our good deeds needs to be always, again, to serve the Lord or to give God glory. If what you are doing, you are doing to be seen by others, to get acknowledgement, that is the reason why you're doing it, yeah, you, you need to check that right there. So basically, this is just 
God, and see, God knows, <laughs> he knows us, and he knows how we can get caught up, right? So he wants to give us this warning. He wants to just let you know the enemy's going to tempt you. He's going to tempt you, and you have to be careful to make sure you are having the right motive for the good deeds that you are doing. So with that being said, um, some more points that I wanted to point out about the purpose of good deeds and why we need to uh, step up our game, I think, to be honest with you. When I say we, I'm talking about the body of Christ. Because right now, and I said this last time too, a lot of the problems and challenges that we are seeing and faced with in the earth today is because Christians are not walking in the authority, number one, that they've been giving, or operating in the knowledge that we have been given regarding walking out the word of God. And so good deeds are a reflection, or they're basically the evidence of our faith in Christ, okay? And what this, you know, really means is that you cannot call yourself a Christian and not display good deeds. I mean, you can, but you're being contradictory there. Because by sheer definition, if you are a Christian, you, and we're going to see this later on in the class tonight, this is why you, you were, this is what you were built for. You were made for good deeds. Okay, so you can't call yourself a Christian and not display good deeds. That's from Titus 1.16. Okay, Titus 1.16. However, this is what's important, though, too. Good deeds, let me make sure I say it the way I have it up here. However, good deeds isn't what makes you a Christian. But because you're a Christian, you should do good deeds. Okay, again, these are things where we need to make sure we have proper understanding about that. It's not, doing good deeds is not what's going to get you into heaven. It's what's going to get you your reward in heaven. And there's a big difference there. Okay, there, we read the scripture earlier that said there is a reward, or actually it was on the slide before, it said when you do it before men for the applause and to be seen, you're going to lose your reward. Okay, so there's a reward in heaven that we're going to get. When we have to give that account, we're not giving the account to determine whether or not we make it in. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are standing before the Lord, you are in. Okay, at that point, your account is for your reward. So, again, not to get too heavy or too deep, but I just need to make sure that we are clear on the purpose of our good deeds. They are evidence of the fact that we are who we say we are as Christians. And in Luke, here's another example, Luke chapter 6, verse 43 and 45, or through 45, you guys know it talks about judging a tree by its fruit, okay? And so when we talk about, I am a believer in Christ and I am a Christian, but I have no good deeds, I have no fruit to show for it, then again, there's the discrepancy in that, and we need to make sure that our lives are bearing fruit of who we say we are, and the good deeds are one type of fruit that we can display as Christians. And of course, we know that in James chapter 2, verse 14 through 17, that says, faith without works is dead. Okay, faith without works, or remember how I said we're going to interchange those words, good deeds, or deeds or actions, however you want to um, interpret that, 
it's no doubt that who we say we are and what we do need to line up and correspond, right? So this is just all reinforcing, reinforcing, reinforcing. And I say that because I know there's a lot of people who may not be here tonight because you know what they said? Character, good deeds, the nature of Christ, oh, those are the basics. I know that stuff, right? Let us not think too, that we know it all. Let's not think that we know too much of that. We've already heard that. There is a reinforcement that I believe God is trying to stir up in the body of Christ in the basics, right, in order to be able to fulfill his word and his will in the earth. So I share these things even though you may have heard them before because I believe it's going to reignite your passion for doing God's will. So to continue on what the word says, because that's what this is all about, and about what Jesus did while he was here in the earth. You guys know about the story in Mark 11. This is chapter 12 through 14. It talks about how Jesus cursed the fig tree. Why did Jesus curse the fig tree? Well, in essence, he cursed the fig tree because there were leaves on that tree, but there was no fruit on that tree. So in essence, Jesus said, listen, I hear your words, but you have no corresponding action. Okay, so that tree, back in the day, if there was a fig tree, if it was the season, if you saw leaves, that was supposed to be an indicator that there was fruit. And he walked up there and there was no fruit. So he cursed the tree and said, no one shall eat of you ever again. We want to make sure that we have, that we are bearing good fruit. Don't want to be cursed. <laughs> okay, so one of the other scriptures here that I have for you guys is in Luke 7.35, and I thought this was really good. I actually just came across this one this morning, um, and I, it shows how wisdom is connected to character and good deeds. We talked about uh, our destiny, but wisdom is the result of a life that is built, ladies and gentlemen, on character and good deeds. The Bible talks about striving for wisdom and wisdom being the highest form of spiritual knowledge. And so Luke 7.35 says, wisdom is vindicated, meaning shown to be true and divine by all her children, by their life, character, and good deeds. So if you think about it, if you were to think about who you know or have heard of that's been described as being a wise person, their character, it's because they have shown a life or have bear fruit of strong character and good deeds. So I believe that this is telling us the path to wisdom includes strong character and good deeds. So having all of that background information, right, now we're going to go to what most people would have thought I would have started with, and that's just defining what the practical application of good deeds really is. Okay, so let's look at some examples of what typically we think of when we think of doing good deeds. And this was just, like I said, this is not a full... Um, 
exhaustive list or anything, but I just jotted down a few things that came to my mind. When we think of good deeds, we might think of giving, right? Giving financially to different charities. That would be considered a good deed. We might think of feeding the homeless. We might think of volunteering or donating, let's just say, things to the goodwill in the Salvation Army. Aren't these some things that people typically think of when they think of good deeds, right? Um, even just random acts of kindness, random acts of kindness, helping someone who was stranded on the side of the road, that's a good deed. You know, you get a check mark on your list for doing that. Or maybe you're standing in line at Starbucks or the grocery store and you decide to pay it forward. Typical good deed. Now, I don't say typical to diminish their value in any way. I'm simply saying typical in the sense of what we are used to thinking of. Because what I'm going to do next is challenge you to expand your knowledge and awareness of what a good deed really is. We absolutely should be doing all of the things that are on this list and then some that you may be thinking of for yourself right now. Absolutely. Um, there's a scripture down here in Luke 10, verses 25 through 37, where we have the story of the Good Samaritan. And that's where we get that commonly known story about, again, helping someone in need and not just passing someone by, seeing that they need help. Okay, so these are all standard, if you will, good deeds. But what are some other not commonly thought of examples of good deeds? We're going to look at that on this next slide here. So some more examples, which you may not have thought of. I think since faith is a gift from God, when we express our faith in God, I believe that's a good deed. Because remember, when we express our faith in God, that gives other people the opportunity to do so. Again, we can serve others or serve God by serving others by having faith in him. I believe having faith in God is a good deed. And then, of course, that also means if we're going to give financially to things like charities, we also are doing a good deed when we are faithfully giving our tithes and offerings. Again, some people might not have thought about that. Hmm, that's a good deed. It's a service unto God, right, through the service of others. You're serving your church when you give your tithes and your offerings. That's how your church is able to continue to do the work that it does, and God gets the glory for that. So for me, falling into the category of how we described what a good deed is, giving tithes and offerings is a good deed. So, along this same line, sharing the gospel is also a good deed. Matter of fact, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about where Jesus said, you know, when I leave, you guys are going to be able to do greater works than I did. You know, we talked about Jesus's works were like miracles, and people would say, well, how can I do a greater work than Jesus did? Well, we have the privilege and opportunity to share with people the gospel and bring them to the light and eternal life. And so that in and of itself, what Jesus did, and when he did a miracle, let's say, and gave sight to the blind, that was something that had a, to me, a temporary 
effect in a sense if we're talking about in the earth but when you share the gospel with someone and they get saved they have an eternal right effect on that so that good deed constitutes in my mind a greater work there are people around the world in churches around the world when they go out on missions and they are going out to spread the gospel the good news of salvation that is a good deed and I think that, again, we just lose sight of that because we put ourselves or we put this topic in a box. And so my job tonight is just to blow the top off that box, right? Because we serve an infinite God and we need to continuously be willing to learn more about what we think we already know. Amen? So sharing the gospel, missions, that is a greater work, that is a good deed. Here's another one that I'm going to take just a slow point with making. Talking about good deeds, something that I think we really underestimate in the body of Christ that I believe is going to change the world. Prayer, prayer, praying for one another, the power of intercession. Do you know what a great and mighty good work and good deed you are doing when you make the sacrifice to pray for someone else? Oh my goodness, talk about sacrifices that the Lord is pleased with, right? This is what we need to not devalue or diminish or underestimate any longer if we want to continue to see breakthrough in the earth. And so I am making a point to magnify, if you will, that prayer and intercession is a good deed that you and I can do to affect change in the world and bring glory to God's name. Would you guys agree with me on that? Okay, so prayer. I always tell people, never, ever, ever let prayer be described as your last resort. Never let prayer be your last resort. It should always be your first line of defense. Your very first line of defense is prayer, okay? So that is something that I wanted to point out there. Also, again, keeping in line with this, when we serve our church, we talked about giving our tithes and our offerings, but ladies and gentlemen, if you have a church home, you should be serving in that church in some form or capacity, okay? You may not be able to uh, do a typical, let's say, serve on the usher board or in the nursery or whatnot, but I challenge you or I encourage you to pray. And just petition God and ask him, how can I be of service to my church? Maybe he's given you the green light and your tithes and offerings at this season in life is sufficient. That's fine. Maybe there are some people who can't even do that. Maybe they're not having an income at the time. That's okay. I'm just talking about in general, what we do is we tend to think that things are already being taken care of, right? You know, and they think, well, I don't have anything to offer or whatever the reasoning is, I'm just saying, get with God and ask, is there a way that you can serve your church through helps ministry? Because when you do, you are operating um, and conducting a good deed and the church needs it, ladies and gentlemen. Our churches do. Our pastors need help. They need us to be in the trenches with them and doing all of that. I remember, like, because I'm from a, um, 
what they call a mega church or whatnot. And I, I know that sometimes we forget there's people who are operating behind the scenes to make sure that everything that we get to enjoy while we sit in the pews is going forth. And so whatever um, your gifts and talents are, they can probably be used within the church. So make sure that you're petitioning God for how you can serve in the ministry. And then just a couple more here on things that we may not necessarily think of as a good deed. And I like this one here. This one is forgiving a debt. Forgiving a debt. We talked earlier about character, and we talked about integrity and things like that. There's a scripture in the Bible, and it's uh, a story from chapter, or Luke chapter 7, verse 41 through 47. And Jesus is asking this man, you know, or giving him a demonstration about a man who uh, two people borrowed money from him, and one, let's say, borrowed five denarii, which is what they called the money back then, and someone else, let's say, it was 20. But if someone is in position where they are unable to pay back a debt that they owe you, and you are in position to forgive that debt, when you do, according to this scripture here, it's a good deed. God's going to get you covered anyway, okay? But the point and the purpose is there were so many law keepers, right, that were like, no, 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 you owe this, you have to pay it now, whereas not considering what the circumstances were for why that person couldn't. So all I'm saying is in today's day and age, if you are able to, and when you do, forgive a debt, you are doing a good deed. Now, I'm good. there's going to be a caveat to this one as we go through here where um, I talk about inquiring of the Lord. This is something that inquire of the Lord about because sometimes he may say yes and sometimes he may say no. You don't know. But the last thing I have on this list here um, in regards to good deeds, again, another one that kind of goes with prayer that I think is very powerful. Just simply spending time with the Lord is a good deed. And it may not seem like this falls into that category where we talked about service unto others, but would you agree that you become more equipped to be a better servant of others when you spend more time with God? Okay, so what I did was I put in this um, scripture from Luke 10, 38 through 42 that talks about the story of Martha and Mary. And when Jesus visited their home and I believe it was Martha who was the one. Sorry, Martha. We have a Martha in the audience, by the way. <laughs> but um, in this scripture, she was the one who was all about the busy work, right? She was the one who was in the kitchen wanting to cook and clean and prepare and do all that stuff. And Mary was the sister who went and sat at the feet of Jesus to hear from her Lord. And Martha was like, Jesus, would you tell Mary to get in here and help me? do this work, and what did Jesus do? He corrected her and said, Martha, your sister has had revelation of what's really important in this moment. What's the best deed in this moment? Yeah, it's a good deed for you to, you know, service me, but what's an even greater work or a greater deed? 
is to spend time with the Lord, especially when you got him in your house right there. You know, when the man is visiting, you stop what you're doing and you want to be in the presence of God. So if we can put this into our everyday lives, ladies and gentlemen, these good deeds, just to again expand um, how we can impact the world around us. When you spend time with the Lord, you are conducting a good deed. So I wanted to share that with you guys. I also want to share with you guys what, to this day, and it may change, but to this day, what one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is. Can I share you guys, with you guys what my favorite scripture is? Okay, so in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, uh-oh, I, I might have went too far. Let me see. Give me one second. Okay, we're going to get there. I went too far on this one. I was okay here. Before we get to my favorite scripture, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you two scriptures that are just as good. Okay, let's start with Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. You remember how I said earlier we were built for this, okay? This one here says we were created for good deeds or good works. This scripture in Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Why? to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this is part of our mission. This is part of our destiny and our purpose, why we were created to do good works. Remember how I said earlier, if you're a Christian, doing good works is in your nature. And then also in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, this is actually, see, I, I should never claim a favorite scripture because there's just way too many. I love this scripture here too. It says all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, right? Is that what I'm not doing here tonight is teaching, right? For reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? That he, the man of God, may be complete equipped for every good work. So basically what that says is that you and I here tonight, we are in class, we are being taught, we are listening to the Holy Spirit to be corrected. Why? We are equipping ourselves for the good work that God has called us to do. Amen? So there is a purpose, again, for doing this and for being here tonight, and it's all setting us up for the good work. Now, let me put a cherry on top of this sweet little cake here that we have from these two scriptures. Now we're going to talk about what has been solidified in my heart is one of my favorites, and it's 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And what I've done is I have posted the amplified version of this scripture. And to test whether or not this is really my favorite scripture, I'm going to see if I can quote this for you guys from memory, okay? So you guys follow along up here, and I'm going to... Um, tell you what the scripture says in the Amplified. And it starts off with, God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always, under all circumstances and whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work 
and charitable donation. How'd I do, y'all? Is that good? <laughs> okay, so let me break this down. The reason why I had to kind of do it like that is because I didn't want to get lost, but this, this just like feeds me. This just fills me up because God leaves nothing out of this. He covers all his bases, and he says that he is able to make all grace. And when he says that, he's talking about every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance, right? Why? Again, there's a purpose. So that you may always, always, and under all circumstances, and whatever the need, again, did he not cover all his bases? We have no excuse, right? Whatever the need, be self-sufficient, meaning possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. So basically, whatever God has for me to do, he has equipped me to do it. And I need to understand that I don't have to do every good work. I just have to do the work that he's equipped and called me to do, right? If every, we talked about this before, if everybody just played their role, stayed in their lane, right? We can accomplish so much. But the problem is not only are people trying sometimes to do too much, we have people that ain't doing nothing at all. And that's just not good either, right? Do your part. You are fully equipped to be able to do that. So I don't know, for me, that just gets me excited. And um, it reminds me of the scripture too, that how God talks about uh, we are workers together with God. Amen. We are partners with him in doing this. And so I just love that. I love that idea. And I pray that it encourages you and inspires you and helps you to understand that, you know, you don't have to do this. We don't have to do anything on our own without God's help. So what I want to do now is sort of continue to expand again your understanding about what good deeds are. And I have a couple points that I'm going to show you guys here. And basically, this was what I was talking about earlier. This statement right here says that, you know, we're talking about good deeds, we're talking about doing the right thing, but not every good idea is a God-directed idea. Not every good idea is a God-directed idea. And so basically, Good deeds oftentimes will require discernment, will require discernment. Inquire of the Lord. And I'll give you a quick little example of basically what I mean by this. There was a time, uh, I think it was a few years ago, my mom had told me about a situation where um, she's a very giving, very, very giving woman. And I remember she said she was uh, either coming out of or going into a grocery store or a fast food or something, and there was someone standing outside who was um, basically asking for help, asking for money. And there are times where if she has it on her, usually, if she has something on her, she's usually going to give. That's just who she is. And so she thought it weird or, you know, kind of I threw her for a loop that this particular time she was walking, and as she was walking, she went to go reach into her purse or her pocket to give whatever cash she had to the person who was standing outside, and the Holy Spirit told her, don't do it. And of course, you know, she would think to herself, or the average person would think, well, why not? What's the harm? 
it's a good deed I'm supposed to give. I'm supposed to help the, the homeless. So, you know, why, why are you telling me not to do this good deed? Well, the discernment comes in with the fact that afterwards, the Holy Spirit told her that God had already spoken to an individual who was on their way into that same restaurant, and God gave a charge or a command to that person to give to that individual. And it was a test of their faith. And had my mom gone and given the money, and it was seen by this other person, that other person might think, oh, that need's already been met. I don't have to do what God told me to do. you know. And so I thought about it, and I said, remember how I said, it, it would have been a good deed, yes, but it wasn't a God-directed deed or idea. And so sometimes, and I'm not saying this has to be in everything you do, you have to, you know, okay, Lord, do you want me to, you know, <laughs> give this person, you know, this gift or whatever kind of, but when you are prompted in your spirit, you need to take a moment and inquire of the Lord on what you should do in regards. Just like I said, maybe, you know, um, you're wondering, should my good deeds be in this area or that area or that kind of thing? I think that's just really important for us to do. The other thing that we need to make sure that we're doing with good deeds is not doing them grudgingly, okay? Not doing them, just like with our giving. If you are going to grudgingly do something nice for me, ladies and gentlemen, please don't do it. <laughs> that might sound weird, you know what I mean? But I want the sincerity and the genuineness of what someone does with me or for me and not something that's done out of obligation or grudgingly, okay? And I believe that that's how all of us are. So examine your motives for your good deeds. Just like we shouldn't be doing them to be seen or to get the praise, we also shouldn't be doing them <laughs> to avoid the punishment <laughs> or whatever the case may be. We shouldn't be like, oh God, I don't wanna do this good deed or whatnot. You know, if it's a good deed, it should be good. So don't do it grudgingly. And then I love this one here. You guys are gonna laugh at this one. If you have an opportunity to do a good deed or if God calls you to do a good deed, don't be like Jonah and run when God tells you or calls you to do a good deed. I love this. Jonah was called by God to do a good, oh, I think I missed something on the, <laughs> on the PowerPoint there, but Jonah was called by God to do a good deed, and he ran from it, and that just ended him up in more trouble, and God didn't give up on the, you know, the good deed. He still made him do it. He just had him go back around again, so if you want to save yourself the trouble, answer the call to do good when you are able to do good. Don't be like Jonah and run from it. The scripture says in Proverbs 3:27, don't withhold good when it was when it's when in your power to act. So, again, I know you may not always be able to do whatever the good deed that is that presents itself to you. But this scripture says, if it's within your power to do it, please do it because in James 4:17 it says, he who knows what is right to do and he does it not to him, that's considered sin. So if you know the right thing to do, and you can do the right thing, you're able to, but you choose not to, God considers that to be a sin. So I don't want you guys to get into bondage about any of this. I really just want you to be empowered by it, 
okay? I don't want you to be intimidated by it. There's no need to compete. This is all about self-examination and your relationship and alignment with God in helping to do his will. So what I'm going to do is give you some final points on good deeds here. And what I have come to learn, and I got this first point from a book that we just recently read called The Purpose Driven Life. We as Christians, ladies and gentlemen, we have been created to be producers in life and not just consumers, okay? Producers in life and not just consumers. There's too many of us that are just consuming, 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 and we're not producing anything or producing enough. And so you wanna make sure that you are recognizing the fact that you are blessed to be a blessing. When the blessings flow, the whole purpose, remember we said the whole purpose of the abundance is so that as it comes in, it can go out without depleting you, okay? So you are blessed to be a blessing, sorry. Took away my screen for you guys there. There we go. And then in 1 Timothy 6.18, God says that we should be rich in good deeds, generous and willing to share. There's another example of that term, rich, where it doesn't just mean money, but it's an abundance of good deeds. So be rich in good deeds and be willing to share. And then... Here we have um, another scripture in Titus 3.8, and it says, those who trust in God should devote themselves to doing what is good, things that are excellent and profitable. Your heart, ladies and gentlemen, as a Christian, you should be devoted to doing good things. Again, it shouldn't be something that is a uh, only on the holidays or, you know, an occasion to do. This should be what we do as a matter of habit, we should be devoted to doing what is good. And part of the reason, well, one of the things that we have to look forward to is that in Galatians, God tells us, and I just posted about this, he says, listen, I know sometimes you might get weary in doing what is good, but don't lose heart. Don't grow tired or weary in doing what is good and what is right. Galatians 6, 9, because he says, if you don't give up, if you don't lose heart, if you don't stop, if you don't quit, what did we say? There's a reward that is coming. And I believe that reward is both here on the earth and eternally. It goes on to say in Galatians 6, 10, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith especially those who are of the household of faith. So again, the body of Christ, we need to take better care of each other, ladies and gentlemen. And it starts here, like I said, with the church, in the church. And I believe that if we do that, if we commit ourselves to this entire lesson about character, good deeds, and the nature of Christ, that we will see results. Okay, so lastly here, um, Remember, Hebrews 6.10 says that God is not an unjust God. He's not going to forget your labor of love that you've done or have shown towards his people. So when you are helping God's people, when you are sharing the gospel, when you're doing all those good deeds, God is watching. He's not going to forget your labor of love. And what we need to remember is, you guys remember last week I said spiritual maturity. I said in order to 
spiritually grow up, our roots have to grow down, right? Well, in order for us to grow up, it starts by giving out. Okay, so the way you grow up is by giving out. This is all just about our perspective and how we're seeing the purpose of all of this. And I probably said this already, last but not least, but last but not least, I will say it again, um, good deeds are one of the ways in which we demonstrate our worship to God in a tangible way. Again, this is all service unto him. So when you are operating in good deeds, you are giving God worship that is tangible here in the earth. And again, he is well pleased with all of that. So basically, all of that tonight, you guys, for having come out and been fed on good deeds, it should stir you up to know that you do have the power, like I said, to make a difference and make a change. And I believe that if we get back to these basics, we're going to see a move of God this year in 2019 that we haven't seen before. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue in this lesson for the rest of the month, and um, we will go into the topic of the nature of Christ next week. But before we go there, we have to always have ourselves an accountability assignment, and I've already kind of mentioned this through this, so just make sure when you guys leave here tonight and between now and next week, just examine yourself, okay? Don't examine your neighbor, examine yourself, okay? And look at the areas of your life where you can increase increase your demonstration of good deeds. Remember, just inquire of the Lord. Say, Lord, where do you want me to increase my service of good deeds? And then examine your motives behind them to make sure that they are in alignment with what we talked about tonight, okay? So we're going to increase our good deeds, and we're going to make sure we're doing them for the right reason. And then, of course, like I said, next week will be part one of the nature of Christ. And you guys are going to see how all of this ties together. Because character and good deeds, is that not the nature of Christ? Right? But again, we're going to expand that and extract as much as we can out of that topic. So keep your expectations up and make sure that you come ready to be fed. So with that being said, I'm just going to do a quick uh, closing prayer. First of all, let me say thank you guys for hanging out with me for this past hour. I really do appreciate it. You came out in the rain. I pray it wasn't a disappointment to you at all. Um, and I'm just honored to be able to be used by God again to help enrich the lives of his people. When I go through this, I'm enriched, and I pray that you were enriched. So let me just do a closing prayer Father God, I thank you again for this evening, for this time and this privilege and opportunity to fellowship with your people in your presence here tonight. We thank you by your precious Holy Spirit. You are teaching us and guiding us unto all truth, Lord God. I pray that everything is absorbed and rooted into our hearts, Lord God, that we may be encouraged, that we may be strengthened by you to leave here and to put into action that which we have heard here tonight, Lord. And again, we thank you and give you all the highest praise for all that you have done and continue to do in our lives faithfully. We commit this day and our lives to you and everyone under the sound of my voice said in Jesus' name, amen. All right.